Ohio is the state that gave us American heroes, icons, and legends with names like Neil Armstrong, Annie Oakley, and the great general and president, Ulysses S. Grant. He's done, Who? he's Who? really come back a long way over the last 10 years, hasn't he? Yes. Ulysses S. Grant has come back over the last 10 years, along with Frederick Douglass. I'm hearing great things. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles. This is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, on KFOI in Red Bluff and Redding, KKRN in Round Mountain, and KGOE in Eureka. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets and the Progressive Voices channel. Uh, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us for another thrilling edition of The Bradcast, your toxic stew of factual information. Uh, not actually, um, what's that, Desi Doyen? I didn't hear you just now. Say oh, that again. I said, what a what? concept, factual information. Factual information, not propaganda, not paid, you know, Russian asset information, but actual, demonstrable, independently verifiable information. And welcome to it. You deserve it. Great Britain announced today that uh, given the throngs of royal subjects clamoring to see the coffin of the UK's late monarch, Queen Elizabeth II, her funeral procession will now be extended around the UK for another three years before she is finally laid to rest. Also, CNN immediately announced that they would be covering the royal pageantry and the morning wall-to-wall 24-7 for all of those next three years. <laughs> it's not like there's anything else going on, right? So I'm only mostly kidding there, but uh, yeah, the Queen was finally laid to rest on Monday, I think, after what seemed like a three-year mourning period following the beloved 96-year-old monarch's death on September 8, which was a really long time ago by my calendar. 
The U.K. and the world bade farewell to Queen Elizabeth on Monday with a state funeral that drew presidents and kings, princes and prime ministers and crowds in the streets of London, hundreds of thousands of them, and at Windsor Castle. The first state funeral since Winston Churchill's was filled with a with the spectacle. Before the service, a bell tolled 96 times once a minute. For each of Elizabeth's years of life, then 142 Royal Navy sailors used rope to draw, to draw the gun carriage carrying her flag-draped coffin to Westminster Abbey, where pallbearers board inside, and about 2,000 people, ranging from world leaders to healthcare workers, gathered to mourn. The coffin was draped with the royal standard, and atop it sat the imperial state crown, sparkling with almost 3,000 diamonds, most of them stolen from elsewhere, and the Sovereign's orb and scepter. Nothing grotesque about that at all. The service ended with two minutes of silence observed across the United Kingdom, after which the attendees sang the national anthem, which is now titled God Save the King. Well, at least it's all finally over with. Wait, what? Monday was declared a public holiday in honor of Elizabeth, who died 11 days ago on September 8th. Hundreds of thousands of people descended on central London, jamming sidewalks to watch the coffin, then wend its way through the streets. More people lined the route uh, of the hearse uh, that it took from the capital to Windsor Castle for the committal ceremony in St. George's Chapel on the castle grounds. Well, at least that's finally... Wait, what? The queen will be laid to rest later... With her husband, Prince Philip, at a private family service, well, presumably whenever that happens, it will finally be over. And we do have word that within the last hour, it has finally ended. And poor CNN will now have to go back to both both sizing the news and, of course, ignoring it, uh, both sizing in particular of the attempted right-wing fascist authoritarian takeover of the United States if CNN had decided to notice. Because, you know, they don't want to be too mean to those Republicans after all. On a related point, Donald Trump has gone full QAnon, you'll be happy to know, really, truly, as he spoke during a rally for Ohio Republican candidates on Saturday, a soundtrack associated with the conspiracy theory played under his remarks, which elicited one-armed, one-finger salutes. No, not that finger, but the index finger, which is another QAnon symbol from uh, many of the attendees at the rally. The display... Washington Post's conservative columnist and actual conservative Jennifer Rubin writes today the uh, display bore an uncanny resemblance to the infamous Nazi salute, which it did. The delusional incitement and zombie-like response should put to rest the notion that President Biden or anyone should be, quote, reaching out to these people, Rubin argues. They are unreachable and pretending otherwise misleads voters. Thank you, Jennifer. You are correct. She writes, no Republican should ever escape an interview or news conference without being asked to condemn this monstrous event. The cynical GOP leaders who know that Trump is unfit for office and that many of his cult followers have become violent 
should not be treated as ordinary party hacks. They are enablers of a dangerous movement, yet they continually evade persistent, aggressive questioning by the media. Compare this, she observes, with the mainstream media's response to Joe Biden's recent speech condemning the MAGA movement. Biden, though he generously and inaccurately in my book, writes Rubin, and by the way, in my book, too, uh, distinguished the movement from the Republican Party writ large from the MAGA Republican Party, which is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He noted he, he said this was not a majority of Republicans, but as polls indicate, it absolutely is. For example, those polls who believe that Trump won the 2020 election, despite any and I mean zero evidence to suggest that is true. That's a majority of the Republican Party. So despite, yes, over generously distinguishing MAGA Republicans from so-called mainstream Republicans, Biden highlighted the MAGA movement's far right extremism, its refusal to ascribe to the basic tenets of democracy, like the renunciation of violence, the sanctity of elections. Yet many in the mainstream media, Rubin correctly observes, turned up their noses at that. Quote, Biden should have been more welcoming, they said. He's too divisive, they declared. And, notes Rubin, herein rests the fundamental failure of the mainstream political media. Far too many continue to disguise the political reality we face. They refuse to use appropriate descriptors to describe Republican conduct such as fascist or racist. Instead, she says, they mislabel radical authoritarians as conservatives. Well, thank you, Jennifer Rubin. These people are not conservatives. I have been arguing as much for years on this show uh, and at bradblog.com, and I have been labeled a partisan Democrat for doing so when I am neither of those things, by the way. Neither partisan nor a Democrat, but because I'm actually independent and not beholden to corporate news media or sponsors or anyone else, I can call things for what they actually are. I'm not paid by the corporate media. I'm not paid by uh, Russian uh, media outlets, Russian state media outlets. I just tell you the truth, at least as I see it. Uh, so I am uh, I'm, I'm very happy to see that uh, Washington Post Jennifer Rubin, uh, an actual conservative, by the way, who has therefore been forced to abandon the Republican Party, to abandon her not conservative party in the bargain. Uh, I'm happy to see her calling out both the fascists and the racists and those in the corporate media who are too cowardly to do the same. If this were a foreign country, she writes, the media would accurately describe the MAGA movement as a far-right cult. Yet in the U.S., too many reporters cannot help themselves in normalizing the moment. She's absolutely right. It seems to be very deep in the mainstream press's DNA to strain for equality where none exists, said Margaret Sullivan, media critic and author of the upcoming memoir Newsroom Confidential. She adds, quote, maybe journalists don't have the language to truly get across how disturbing and abnormal some of this stuff is. If so, it's high time to grapple with that, she says. 
I, I agree. And of course, they do have the language. They just don't want to use it. Rubin says it's not just Trump who has displayed the GOP threat to democracy. Consider also Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis's inhumane transportation of asylum seekers to liberal states or cities to make a political statement. News reports suggest these people may have been tricked or lied to about what about where they were going and what awaited them at their destination. If so, there may be criminal as well as civil implications, she writes, which, yes, there are. And I hope to get to that in a little bit, along with your calls on any or all of this at 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. California Governor Gavin Newsom and others have asked the Justice Department to investigate, and they sure as hell should, as I will explain shortly, before getting to your calls, hopefully. Um... If you have thoughts on what DeSantis did and what should be done about it, if anything, Rubin concludes, as the GOP becomes more brazen, the media seem to shrink further from their responsibility as truth tellers and democracy, democracy advocates. Our democracy, she says, hangs in the balance. It certainly does, which is why for the first time in my 20, nearly 20 years at this point of covering politics and elections, I am actually advising Americans to vote for Democrats this year in the midterm elections. I will still fight for the right of Republicans, yes, even so-called MAGA Republicans, to be able to vote and to make sure that their vote is counted accurately and in a way that they can know it has been counted accurately. But for the sake of democracy, democracy, which I do support, even with all its flaws and imperfections, especially here in the U.S., I am recommending that every American vote this year and, yes, vote for the candidate with the D by their name. I have never, ever done that before. I am now doing that this year. Now it is necessary. Anyway, if you agree or disagree, I will take your calls on, on that, on DeSantis or anything else you want to discuss today in a little bit. You can line up right now, 818-985-KPFK. But while I'd hoped to do a bit more on election-related news today, I'm going to kick some of those stories down the road to tomorrow's broadcast. Uh, given the other story that I suspect CNN uh, and others and others are not adequately covering. I know CNN ain't. And that is, um, well, it's not one, it is not two, but three massive climate change-fueled storms across the globe over the weekend. As you have hopefully heard, if CNN was able to break away from the Queen's funeral long enough, uh, the entirety of Puerto Rico lost power on Sunday had it knocked out as Hurricane Fiona swept in and left a catastrophic trail of, of flooding in its wake, triggering no small amount of PTSD, frankly, for the islands, more than three million American citizens who reside there and recall all too well the disaster that was Hurricane Maria five years ago. But as as that storm moved on to the Dominican Republic on Monday and some power began to be restored to small sections of Puerto Rico today, Hurricane Fiona was not the only storm over the weekend, unfortunately, in what has otherwise been a, a lighter than expected storm season at least in the Atlantic, three major storms made various sorts of landfall across the uh, across the globe over the weekend. 
Desi Doyen, um, I, I couldn't even keep up with him. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping maybe you did. Yeah, yeah, I was able to keep up with him. And as you said, yes, it was a tale of three blockbuster storms that struck different coasts this weekend and caused widespread dam- damage across Puerto Rico and Alaska and Japan. Hurricane Fiona was just the third Atlantic hurricane of the season. Speaking to it being a quieter than normal hurricane season, um, it made landfall on Sunday in Puerto Rico, southeastern Puerto Rico, as a Category One, according to the National Hurricane Center. Um, and the uh, it's caused catastrophic destruction in urban areas and killed at least one person. And as you said, it knocked out power to nearly the entire island. Mm. Um, it had wind speeds of 85 miles per hour, triggering catastrophic flooding. Um, And as we go to air, uh, meteorologist Jeff Masters of Yale University has said that it's relatively slow forward speed of eight miles per hour, Mm. the speed of of Fiona. Uh, That's what caused all of that rainfall. It was up to 27 inches of rain in some areas of Puerto Rico. And the entire island was still under a flash flood warning as, uh, as of this afternoon. And, and by the way, let me get to this because I know I know you will get to this, but I want to just be clear. Uh, it wasn't only the slow speed of that storm that caused all that rain. No. It was also climate change, global warming, more moisture in the air, et cetera, et cetera. And when a storm like that moves that slowly, that's when you get 20, 30 inches of rain. Right. Uh, it gives the, the storm because it stalls or parks in yep. a place, gives it lots more time to yep. dump all of that rain. Yep. I mean, one river in the southeastern portion of the island rose over 12 feet in seven oh. hours. Oh, and it man. broke the previous record that was set in 2017 during Hurricane Maria, which, by the way, hit five years ago two days from now so it's really? almost the exact anniversary uh, of hurricane maria horrible. now the miami herald reports that uh, president biden has de- declared a state of emergency he did that on sunday for that frees up federal resources and the federal emergency management agency um, said that it has learned its lessons from hurricane maria saying that they had pre-stocked at least four warehouses strategically located throughout the island with emergency supplies the national guard uh, of puerto rico has already been activated. Some 1,000 people have already been rescued as their uh, homes and neighborhoods were mm. completely flooded. Mm. I mean, the uh, flash flood swept away at least one new bridge that had been built since Hurricane Maria. So it really did pummel yeah. uh, the, the, the island much worse than Hurricane Maria did in some areas, mm. which is kind of shocking because Hurricane Maria was a Category 4. This was just a Category 1. But because it is so low, so slow moving... That's why the flooding has been so bad. Yeah, it's uh, not the size of the boat. It's the motion of the ocean, as they say. I mean, (laughs) something like that. It really because if it's going to move that slowly and have that much moisture in it, that's what's going to happen. Right. right And remember, categories, the category designations really only refer to wind speed. They don't tell you how much rain there's going to be or how much storm surge there's going to be. And so you get flooding from both sides, from the rivers inland and from the storm surge of the ocean pushing. Mm -hmm. So in Alaska, then, was the second storm. Mm -hmm. It was hit with the strongest storm in more than 50 years. Now, floodwaters have begun to recede in coastal Alaska. It was the remnants of a typhoon um, that uh, had 
had traveled across the Pacific Ocean where it regained some uh, some power because the um, the Pacific Ocean is now at near record warm temperatures. Now, so, was, that wasn't the same uh, storm system. That wasn't Hurricane K, the one that got us in Southern California out no, of no, the no. heat wave so, a week or so ago. No, this was um, Typhoon Murbach, which hit okay. the Philippines. And they gotcha. called it a zombie typhoon because it basically kept going <laughs> after, dis- you know, making ma- major destruction in the Philippines. It kept going, kept gaining energy. And it really um, what was unusual, this typhoon Murbach, it formed unusually far to the east over what the meteorologists say was anomalously warm waters. Mm. And then it uh, got even more energy from the northern Pacific. So that's when it slammed into Alaska. And um, Jeff Masters, again, the meteorologist, said that intense out-of-storm, out-of-season storms like this um, are likely to become more frequent as Mm. climate change progresses. So uh, that caused some considerable flooding in uh, villages of Kivalina and Shishmaref, which are really familiar to people in the climate community because they've been uh, very vulnerable to erosion and they have been seeking federal funding and receiving it so that they can Mm. relocate their villages to higher ground. And uh, the storm, it destroyed some coastal protection. So that is going to become more urgent for about a thousand miles of coastline where this storm hit. Then the third storm was in Japan, which um, the officials had issued a rare special warning because super typhoon Nanmadol made landfall on Sunday and they ordered some nine million people. They recommended they take shelter, move evacuate, get to higher ground, 9 million people because mm. of the, uh, the the storm that was coming in. And, and there was also because, well, actually, d- during that storm, wasn't there also an earthquake off the coast of Taiwan yes. that led to uh, tsunami warnings? Yes. So it was kind of a compound disaster going on, although, granted, Taiwan is pretty far from Japan. So it wasn't necessarily the same as, say, Japan getting hit with a record earthquake at the same time as getting hit with a super typhoon. And that would be really bad. You know, if there wasn't something more important going on, like burying the 96-year-old queen, this might have been interesting uh, fodder for the news networks over the weekend all of these storms at once and the explanations of them. Well, I'm sure that it's getting a lot of coverage in Japan because they got like two feet of rain in 24 hours in some areas. And this is, you know, the 14th typhoon that Japan has been hit with this year. Now, you've talked for a long time, uh, Desi Doyen, about the, 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 the concerns that climate scientists have had and disaster response people have had about all of uh, about storms happening yes. at the same time, multiple disasters, not just storms, but uh, multiple disasters ongoing at the same time. Right. Is this kind of what they were talking about? Yes, I think so. I mean, you know, they're talking about when they talk about these multiple disasters hitting at the same time. Granted, a in a, the same place. In the same place. A right. major storm like that, yeah. um, you know, you can have any number of things happening at the same time. I think what, uh, in, in Japan at least, they were suffering from record heat waves earlier this summer. So you could say it's been a string rather than one all, a number of disasters hitting all at once. Mm. But Japan has been grappling with a string of disasters this summer. Um, they had a record heat wave after the in the middle of all of those 14 typhoons that they got hit with. So now damage from all of these storms... Um, climate scientists say these are examples of what we can expect to get more of because of man-made climate change. And that's because warming oceans provide heat energy for storms to remain strong as they move northwards. Um, Frequent broadcast guest and friend of the show, 
climate scientist Dr. Michael Mann explained the basic physics of how all of these storms have interacted together um, on Democracy Now! on Monday. It's pretty basic. Uh, The warming of the oceans, the planet's warming up, the oceans are warming up. Um, That means there's more energy. There's more evaporation from the oceans. And it's that evaporation that provides the energy to intensify those storms. And it's what provides them all of that moisture. And so we get stronger, more intense storms. And they contain a lot more rainfall in them. So we get much more flooding. And that's what we're seeing over time. This particular storm was stronger. It was wetter. And it was more damaging than it would have been because of climate change. You know, the physics here don't respect individual ocean basins. Everywhere you go, warmer oceans mean more intense hurricanes or typhoons, as we call them over there, and and worse flooding with these storms. And, and, and that's really what we're seeing here. And, you know, this is really just sort of the tip of the iceberg. Um, the good news is we can prevent this all from getting worse if we bring those carbon emissions down you know, as I said, 50% uh, within the next decade, down to zero by mid-century, we can prevent further warming of the planet and worsening of these effects. But if we continue to burn fossil fuels, all of this only gets worse. This only becomes a glimpse of what is to come. Yeah, but did you know that Queen Elizabeth was really the link for a lot of uh, people in Great Britain to World War II and that she will be greatly missed? She was the nation's grandmother. Yes. Well, um, so anyway, moving Mm -hmm. on to things that are actually happening right now that actually impact people around the world. What? What these storms do demonstrate is that hardening our infrastructure against increasingly potent extreme weather events is a major challenge facing not just the United States, but everybody, because hurricanes these days are causing billions of dollars in damages for every single event. And uh, as Dr. Mann said, climate change is making these storms ever more destructive. Um, Climate scientist Daniel Swain of uh, USC, he said two major problems are now evident from these recent events. One, historically, scientists' estimates of plausible extremes has been insufficient. Yep. And two, they lowballed it. They lowballed it. They were yeah. being conservative yeah. and yeah. they were they underestimated yep. how quickly and these are arriving and he said much of the new infrastructure that we're building night right now in the 21st century is not going to be able to keep up. Thank you very much, Desi Doyne. Thank you for keeping up with three storms over one, three monster storms, really, over one weekend. Yeah, it's a lot of devastation. It really is. And we'll, of course, keep our eyes on uh, Puerto Rico with what they're dealing with in the wake of this. um, Because they've... uh, uh, they've really had it bad there. And uh, I'm glad we have an American president who, right now, who realizes that Puerto Rico and Puerto Ricans are actually Americans. Yeah. That may be helpful. Let, let, let me do this. We've got to take a quick break. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Uh, take a quick break. We'll come back uh, with this story uh, that I, I did not even want to cover until I heard a, um, someone who, very close to me suggest that uh, they thought it was hilarious that Governor Ron DeSantis sent a bunch of people to Martha's Vineyard. I don't think it's so hilarious. Maybe I don't have a sense of humor. I don't know. We'll find out. Let's take a quick break. We'll talk about that and uh, some of your calls on what can or should be done about what Ron DeSantis did and uh, the laws that he appears to have violated. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to The Bradcast.
You're listening to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener-supported thanks to listeners like you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate. Yep. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Some not-so-sweet little lies from the um, governor of Florida, the ambitious governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. If you'd like to uh, ring in on that, 818-985-KPFK. I did, like I said, I, I really did not even want to cover this, to be frank. It's obvious that uh, DeSantis and the other Republican governors and presidential hopefuls like Greg Abbott in Texas, Doug Ducey in Arizona, they're doing all of this to troll the libs, basically. They're hoping to outrage you. And so I didn't want to sort of feed into that. I didn't want to uh, let them, you know, win. Everybody is talking about this. I realize that. And I didn't want to, you know, at least give my show over to the to the pleasure of allowing them to succeed in that. But frankly, that horse is out of the barn, it seems to me. And there are, in the meantime, some very real criminal implications here that I don't want to see slip by, especially since we have a bit of smoking gun evidence emerging today. Judd Legum's popular information has obtained documentary evidence that migrants from Venezuela were provided with false information to convince them to board flights chartered by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The documents suggest that the flights were not just a callous political stunt, but a potential crime. And frankly, a well-planned-out one at that. If these very nice, very colorful brochures that Legum has obtained are any indication... Last Wednesday, as I'm sure you've heard by now, two planes landed in Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, and dropped off about 50 migrants from Venezuela. DeSantis quickly took credit for it as the migrants were used as political pawns in the hopes of provoking a negative reaction from a liberal community, writes Legum. Well, that part has certainly worked in what can be described as little more than just a massive trolling event by the Republican governor and presidential hopeful. When people are brought to their front door, they go berserk, DeSantis said. Their virtue signaling is a fraud, he said. But the people in Martha's Vineyard did not go berserk. Instead, they rallied together. They provided shelter, food, clothing, other necessities for the group. You know, like decent human beings would. Decent human beings, unlike Ron DeSantis, uh, the things that people do when, you know, for people who need help, particularly after they have been used and abused by an ambitious political bad actor like Ron DeSantis. On Friday, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker, who, though a Republican, is not a horrible human being, he quickly activated a National Guard unit. Yes, your tax dollars at work, thanks to Ron DeSantis, which then facilitated the migrants' voluntary relocation to uh, Joint Base Cape Cod, which was, as Baker said, quote, a safe temporary accommodation appropriate for the specific needs of families and individuals. In the aftermath of the flights... A key issue of contention, notes Legum, is whether the migrants boarded the flights freely and voluntarily, while DeSantis and his administration repeatedly referred to the migrants as, quote, illegal immigrants. They are not. 
The migrants uh, surrendered to immigration officials after crossing the border into Texas. That is not illegal. That is the way it is supposed to be done when migrants anywhere in the world, according to all sorts of treaties that the U.S. is a party to, uh, what that's what's supposed to happen when migrants cross a border to seek asylum. These migrants are, in fact, now seeking asylum from the repressive authoritarian regime in Venezuela and are legally permitted to do so, legally permitted to remain in the U.S., while their cases are being considered by immigration courts. So these migrants, as Legum notes, are able to voluntarily travel within the U.S., but many told reporters that they were misled about the nature of these flights. Several migrants told NPR they were told that the flight was going to Boston, not to Martha's Vineyard. According to the migrants, a woman who identified herself as Perla also said that if they traveled to Boston, they would receive, quote, expedited work papers. So they came here seeking work and seeking safety. What they became, however, was not just a victim of a cruel political stunt by an ambitious pro-authoritarian governor in the U.S., but also they became potentially victims of a crime. The process, as retired Florida attorney and friend of the show Keith Barber wrote at Medium over the weekend, seemed to mirror the reverse freedom rides of the 1960s when Southern white segregationists segregationists tricked black people into uh, bus rides to the north with similar false promises. This is an old game. They're still doing it. But Barber notes, uh, signing waivers does not mean much if the waivers were part of the deception process or the signing of them was induced by deception. The allegation that the migrants were purposely misled is legally significant, Legum, an attorney, concurs. He said it would mean that the uh, flights were—I'm sorry, Legum's not an attorney. Uh, Barber is. I'll get back to Barber in a second. It would mean that the flights were not just heartless but potentially criminal. If the migrants were misled, the scheme to transport them to Martha's Vineyard could constitute fraud, false imprisonment, and or kidnapping. So— as Keith Barber writes, what does the uh, federal kidnapping statute, 18 U.S.C., Section 1201, read? Well, quote, whoever unlawfully seizes, confines, inveigles, decoys, kidnaps, abducts, or carries away and holds for ransom or reward or otherwise when the person is willfully transported in interstate or foreign commerce shall be punished by imprisonment for any term of years or for life. The statute goes on to impose the same penalty for conspiring to do the very same thing. So who all was involved in this project? As uh, Keith Barber observes, the word, the key word there in the uh, federal elections, uh, uh, in the federal code, is inveigles. He cites, by way of example, the case of 1974's U.S. v. Hogue. Mr. Hogue um, apparently induced young women into his car on the promise to take them home, or yes, to his work, where a job would be waiting for them. The women voluntarily got into his car. And then he would take them somewhere other than where he had promised, 
where he and an accomplice, a guy by the name of Mills, would then rape them before releasing them. Hogue challenged his kidnapping conviction on grounds that the women voluntarily got into the car. It couldn't be kidnapping if they got in voluntarily. Well, the U.S. Court of Appeals rejected that argument, finding, quote, the argument is frivolous. Uncontradicted testimony of each victim in that case discloses that Mills or Hogue induced each of them to accept a ride by false representations. Once they had accepted a ride, Hogue or Mills lured or enticed each of them again by false promises to stay in the vehicle during its roundabout course into Kansas. The complaining witnesses were manifestly inveigled or decoyed. The appeals court wrote, citing the federal statute, uh, into accepting these rides with the plain meaning within 18 U.S.C. 1201. In response to the uh, Martha's Vineyard incident, lawyer Susan Church told Politico there is, quote, absolutely the possibility of both civil and criminal liability if people were lied to about where they were going or what they were going to do, what they were going to get when they got there. Well, as Legum reports, DeSantis uh, has been adamant that the migrants were not misled. He claims that the migrants were provided with a map showing the destination was Martha's Vineyard, describes the flight as, quote, all, quote, all voluntary. Appearing on Fox News on Sunday morning, uh, Florida's Republican lieutenant governor, Jeanette Nunes, called allegations that the migrants were misled, quote, categorically false. Really? Really, Jeanette? Because popular information has obtained a brochure that was provided to the migrants who ultimately agreed to the flights. It was provided by, uh, to them, to popular information, by Lawyers for Civil Rights, or LCR, the Boston-based legal organization representing 30 of the 40 mi 48 migrants. And someone took a lot of time making this very nice and colorful brochure is not just a flyer or say it's an actual trifold brochure. It quotes uh, Massachusetts refuge, refuge, uh, refugee benefits, it has a colorful welcome to Massachusetts graphic on it. The brochure says the migrants who arrive in Massachusetts will be eligible for numerous benefits, including, quote, eight months cash assistance, eight, uh, quote, assistance with housing, quote, food, quote, clothing, quote, transportation to job interviews, quote, job training, job placement, registering children for school, assistance, applying for Social Security cards and many other benefits. But none of that is true, as it turns out. Which sure sounds a whole lot like the federal definition of kidnapping, in fact. Matt Cameron, a Boston-based uh, immigration attorney, explained that the benefits described in the brochure are resettlement benefits that are available to refugees who have been referred by the U.N. High Commissioner for Refugees and authorized to live in the U.S. These benefits are not available in Massachusetts to the migrants who boarded those flights who are still in the process of seeking asylum. Uh, those migrants who boarded the planes, according to Cameron, quote, absolutely do not have access to cash and housing and other resettlement benefits which are provided 
through both federal funds and partnerships with faith-based organizations. The brochure, designed to resemble a government document, does not explain that these benefits described are only available to specially designated refugees. So, uh, you know... I would love to hear what you think should go on here. On Saturday, lawyers for civil rights wrote to the U.S. Attorney Rachel Rollins and to the Massachusetts Attorney General Maura Healey, who, by the way, is running for governor in Massachusetts herself this year, calling on them to open a formal investigation, criminal and or civil. LCR wrote, individuals working in concert with state officials, including the Florida governor, made numerous false promises to LCR's client, including of work opportunities, schooling for children, immigration assistance in order to induce them to travel. Those who had induced our clients to travel under these false pretenses disappeared, leaving our clients to learn that the offer of assistance had all been a ruse to exploit them for political purposes. And now this brochure would at least seem to be a smoking gun in that regard. So what do you think is going on? What do you think should be done about it? Uh, And relatedly, what do you think will be done about it? I would love to hear your thoughts. 818-985-5735. I will note this, that, you know, I believe the DOJ is likely to bring some sort of charges against the former president. For which crime? Well, take your pick. Um, He's somehow still regarded as a GOP frontrunner for the 2024 nomination because that is how sick the GOP has now become. But already Trump and his Republican cult followers Uh, grassroots supporters and politicians alike, they're already complaining about a politicized Justice Department run by Joe Biden's Democrats trying to take out the leading candidate for president in 2024. They're weaponizing the DOJ to go after their foes since they can't beat them at the polls and all of this. Even though, uh, by the way, uh, Joe Biden can beat them at the polls. He just clearly did in 2020. And polling even today shows that a matchup between Biden and Trump would result in Biden winning uh, once again by similar numbers. But if the DOJ were to bring charges against Donald Trump, some of which could include penalties preventing him from running for office again, Uh, Well, that is already unprecedented. Would the DOJ therefore actually want to then bring charges against the other guy, the guy seen as the number two candidate for the GOP nomination, Ron DeSantis? I can't picture it, frankly. Uh, Which means, of course, it seems like, as, as Desi told me earlier today, seems like a great time for Republican presidential nominees to do all the criming they may like. 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Again, what do you think is going on? What should be done about it? And what will be done about it? 818-985-5735 on that or anything else that we have uh, we have been uh, talking about uh, over the, uh, uh, the course of this hour. Let's go to Barbara in Gardena. Hey, Barbara, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, I don't see anything wrong with what these governors have done. You don't you don't see anything wrong? Wait, let me just clarify. You said you don't see anything wrong with what they've done? That's what I said. Okay. All of the governors involved are governors who states are on the border. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think that the burden of the immigration ought to fall totally on those states. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it doesn't. Federal, and if the federal government has not acted to protect uh, the borders, it has. Then I think they were entitled to protect their state. Okay, protect them from what? And from uh, massive uh, flows of immigrants into their uh, state illegally. Now, um, if uh, I haven't finished, uh, okay, go ahead. May I finish? You may. I have some questions. Go ahead. Places that they could be sent safely, Mm -hmm. which have invited them Mm -hmm. into their states. Mm-hmm. With their sanctuary um, policies, mm-hmm. I think it was okay to send them to some place where they were welcome until whatever uh, process the government, the federal government, was willing to implement mm-hmm. uh, were carried out. I don't think that the Stances or the ones in Arizona or Abbott are at fault for trying to uh, protect their state. If anything is yes. wrong, is that they had to pay the cost for the transportation. Okay, let me... The federal... One last thing. One last thing. Okay, but I want to ask you some questions, federal, Barbara. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I think that the federal government should have been down there with the transportation mm-hmm. to take whoever they thought was... Uh, they wanted to come in to whatever uh, places they were welcome. Okay, I fair enough. Now let me let me had to pay for it. All right, let me okay. ask you. Let me ask you some questions there, uh, Barbara. For one, uh, you know, border states, uh, you say you know shouldn't have to bear the weight. Well, they don't. There's a whole lot of whole lot of federal money that is given to them to help out uh, in these cases where these perfectly, you know, legal folks come across the border seeking asylum. Also, the government does ship them, the federal government, all over the country for various reasons, for various hearings. They don't bear the entire weight of uh, people trying to cross the border. Now, in California, we have twice as many. As, for example, the state of Texas or the state of Florida. Uh, Why don't we have a problem with this? And by the way, uh, the folks who went from Texas, uh, went up to Martha's Vineyard, did not even come from Florida, Barbara. They came from San Antonio. They, uh, if this story is true, that uh, this, that Ron DeSantis was behind it, and I'm not sure that he was, they sent people to Texas to find people in Texas to send them to Martha's uh, Vineyard. Isn't that odd? What is odd is that the borders uh, are not being patrolled or policed the way they That is completely now, untrue, Barbara. Where do you get that impression? Where do you get that impression? Okay, I, I get it from what I see with my eyes. Do you live okay, on the border? So what I'm saying to you is that if California and Gavin Newsom uh-huh. is willing to accept these immigrants, uh-huh. then maybe they should cross the border uh, at California instead of going through places that are not willing to accept them. Well, listen, yes, one of the listen, they, one yes, of the and, and people and, uh, where they're welcome. Okay. 
That uh, does not seem to be unreasonable. Well, actually, it does, Barbara. And, and I, I don't mean to rush along. There's a lot of people want to get in on, in on this. Uh, you make some worthy points that I was hoping to you know, be able to respond quickly to. Uh, the fact of the matter is, one of the folks who was sent up to Martha's Vineyard, for example, ha- uh, reportedly had walked, walked across 10 countries to flee uh, violence and poverty in his home country. 10 countries. And he finally showed up at Texas and he was lied to and, as you heard, unlawfully kidnapped and sent to uh, to Martha's Vineyard. So I'm sure if he could be in if he could have been in California. Hang on, Barbara. Hang on, Barbara. Hang on, Barbara. I'm not finished. If he could have made it to California. I'm sure he might have, but obviously he couldn't. Don't you have compassion for those people who have violated no laws and are only trying to save their their own lives and their own families? There are 8 billion people on planet Earth, and I have compassion for everybody. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that I can solve everybody's problem. And in 10 countries that she crossed, I'm sure she could have found sanctuary before she arrived at the United States. All right. Thank you, Barbara. This is the place she chose to be. That's right. Uh, she, land, land of the free, home of the brave. No, she didn't have to be. She wanted to be, okay, and and I just want and to make she that point. and she did everything. I just want her to be someplace she, where she's welcome. She, well, she did everything she was supposed fair. to do to uh, obey the law, and she shouldn't be penalized or kidnapped for I'm it. Not Thanks, Barbara. Her. Well, I'm uh, no, safe. Ron DeSantis was. Thanks, Barbara. I appreciate your call. I really do. Sorry to rush you off here. I want to get to some folks. Uh, yes, Desi. I know Dian? you. Do I just yes. wanted to say that I don't think that these uh, Republicans who are in charge of their border states and seem to be having a lot of difficulty with bearing their responsibilities as mm-hmm. border states, unlike yeah. California and New Mexico, who seem to be doing just fine without <laughs> pulling stunts or whining about it. Um, you know, these Texas and Arizona and Florida are not trying to share the burden. They are trying to shock other localities right. with a crisis right. without warning them in advance. Yeah. The very least they could have done would have been to call ahead and say, hey, we're sending some people. I mean, Texas Governor Abbott dumping migrants outside the house of Vice President Kamala Harris. He knows there's nobody there to receive them. That's just cruel. 818-985-KPFK. I should stop giving out the number because I know a lot of people want to get in on this. And uh, we went a little long there. So let me do this. Let me take a uh, quick break and we'll come back with John, amongst others. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman and you're listening to the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com running up against the clock here. As usual, so many disasters, not nearly enough time. Let me go to uh, John in North Hollywood. Hey, John, welcome to the Bradcast, sir. What's on your mind? And I'm going to ask everyone to be as quick as possible about it since we're running out of time. Hey, Brad, there's a lot of inveigling going on out there, isn't there? In there, though? Uh, yeah, this Satanists and uh, Trump... Uh, <laughs> The Satanists inveigled the immigrant, the, the immigrants, and the Trump inveigled his sucker Mogites. <laughs> yes, uh, to go over there to on uh, uh, what is it, January sixth? They, 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 they 
some people think that it's free speech to lie. It is. Okay. It is free speech to lie. You can lie if you want. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, <clears throat> yeah as long as you don't end up inveigling. <laughs> well, that's right. As long as you don't uh, trick someone and take them across yeah. bo- uh, across uh, state borders. Correct. And mislead yep. and all that. Yep. Right? Yep. Well, see, lying is misleading. Lying is stealing the truth of reality. Okay, so, but then again, then again, who knows who can, who judges that, but, uh... You can't lie in the act of tricking someone into bringing them somewhere. Let me put it that way, John. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. These guys were tricked into Satanists and and Trump need to be incarcerated in the same cell and let them love each other. Thank you, John. I appreciate the call, sir. Let me go to Kim in uh, in South Pasadena. Hey, Kim, welcome to the broadcast. Oh, Kim, that is line number seven, Desi. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with line number seven. Call back, Kim, uh, and uh, we'll see if we can get you on a different line. That's the one that keeps uh, screwing us up. Let me go to—sorry about that, Kim, very much. Uh, Let's try uh, the other John in Santa Monica. Hey, John, are you there? Brad, great, great show. Thank you, John. And uh, I'm a liberal—just to give a little background, I'm a liberal from the 60s— my heroes are Dr. King and uh, Muhammad Ali, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And here's my interesting. I like to use logic, and I don't like to name call and call people fascists and stuff because it really, it really loses the uh, ability to have a, a productive dialogue. And here's my logic. Uh, Lori Lightfoot is transporting the people that were dropped off in Chicago to a neighboring town without notifying that mayor or giving them any coordination, as the uh, mayor of New York keeps talking about. And then the Cape Cod people, same thing. So if you're talking about relocating people, and this is illegal or this is morally wrong, then Lori Lightfoot and the Cape Cod people who say they don't have any room in their $15 million mansions, mm-hmm. they're doing the same thing. So it's kind of the kettle calling the, the, the kettle did, did Well, hang, hang on. Lori Lightfoot, uh, mayor of, of uh, uh, Chicago, um, are, are you suggesting that she lied to them when she sent them to a different town? For some reason, because I'm unfamiliar with that story, and I'm glad you shared it with me. But are you saying she she misled them? Are you saying she kidnapped them in order to bring them somewhere else? Well, no. I'm on the point of on the point of taking someone from your jurisdiction and using your government authority to move somebody to another jurisdiction. You don't have government. government You don't have government authority to uh, to 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 rent a luxury jet to lie to a bunch of people if they get on that jet to fly them to a different state to a place where you didn't even tell them you were taking them. You don't have authority to do that, John. That's just unlawful. Well, first of all, I don't think you have all the facts because I, you're not giving me evidence from these people, testimonial evidence that would stand up in court that they were lied to. They get off the bus with their thumbs up. One guy says, thank you, Joe. He's got his thank you, Joe Biden T-shirt mm-hmm. on. So okay. you're, you're playing fast and loose with the facts as well. What I would say is— Well, I I'm not, that, okay. but I, you did, you, you're not familiar with these facts, John, but I'm not calling you a liar. Don't call me a liar. The fact of the matter is you can go to, the, you can go to popular.info. You can take a look at this brochure. You can see the testimony from the attorneys who are representing uh, these migrants. The case will be heard in court. If there is no laws broken, there are no laws broken, but don't tell me that I'm— lying to you or to to the no, people I didn't, I didn't say that uh-huh. hold on what I'm well, hold on what I'm saying is that yeah. you have people coming to this country and some of these towns that have 30,000 people are getting 50,000 people 
in a week landing in their town. More people than are in the town. Okay. And you're telling me. If you say so. You're telling me. Yeah. That you're te- well, that's a fact. You're telling me that uh, uh, President Obama, who has a $15 million mansion on Cape Cod, who has promoted open borders, he started the big open border thing during his administration. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Yes, you're just, no, you're just, John, none, and I'm sorry, I'm going to have to cut you off at this point because you are simply lying, John. President Obama, President Biden have never, ever been in favor of open borders. That's a lie. That's a Fox News piece of BS. And it's not going out over my show, buddy. Sorry. You can call and disagree with me as much as you want, like Barbara did. That's fine. Don't try to come on this show and either call me a liar unless you have the evidence to back it up. Don't tell lies. Uh, especially when they come straight from Fox News and you have been suckered into repeating them, not over our public airwaves on my watch, buddy. Do I have one uh, time for one more here? Yeah, Mike in... Uh, oh, do we have Dawn's back? We'll see if it works on line seven. Hey, Dawn. Yeah. There, yes. Hi, Dawn. Go ahead. Welcome to the broadcast. Thanks for calling back. I look at things from two sides. I agree with you completely, and I would never vote for insane DeSantis. I, I really believe, though, that these people, there's this huge number who are feeling that hundreds of thousands of people are flooding in and they're blaming someone, and someone has to get the blame, and it's going to be Democrats. And I really feel if America, our leaders would realize that Americans, so many are struggling. We really don't have affordable housing. And then you go, well, wait a minute, where are they living? I mean, and all this. I think you have to see some of that, and I, and I would really like to see if people are saying we need workers from other countries, that they can apply from where they are, something that maybe we have a, a go-betweens or something, you know, and, and our, our leaders, our ambassadors or something. If we could do something to change people just kind of flooding in, but what he is doing is completely wrong, and there, there's got to be some some stops to what Republicans do, however it appears that they do whatever they choose to do, just like they want to stop Americans from voting and they want to overturn elections. Uh, And I agree with you that as far as on the news, why are they ignoring this? Or why are they saying peeps here and there? Don, you're you're making all fantastic points. Unfortunately, I'm out of time, literally up against the clock. Thanks for calling back. Thanks for making all of those good points. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Yout Orozco, today, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, Download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. My thanks also to all of you who called in, including the ones I couldn't get on the air today. My apologies for that. By the way, Democrats have been trying to do uh, immigration reform for years, and they are always blocked by Republicans because Republicans want this to be an issue. You can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I'll see you there until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.